Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Is this about Tyre? Is this about Rome? Is this current? Is this about some future nation? Yes. Yes, it's about the world's culture. So the beast is about government. This is about culture. The world's culture in opposition to God. And very likely there will be a culminating culture before the last battle but it doesn't remove us from the danger. It's not as though we're like, okay, well, I think it's probably gonna be a culminating culture, so we're not being seduced at all. No, 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 no. If they face the danger in the first century, how much more do we face it today? Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. As Pastor Ricky teaches from the book of Revelation today, he shows us how these passages are relevant for us. Much of the symbolism in Revelation seems to be referencing ancient civilizations, as well as civilizations in the last days, but it also refers to civilizations in our day. The warnings about Babylon are simultaneously warnings to Christians in the first century, in the 21st century, and in the future. The point is, we need to take heed of these warnings, rather than passing them off as wisdom for somebody else. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 17, as he begins his message, The Siren Song. I want to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 17. And we have been in a series on Revelation that we're, where it's an overview series. And so you may be wondering, well, why do we skip chapters 14, 15, 16? Well, Revelation has a bit of a parallel structure. There's a number of kind of expressions of God's justice and wrath in the first half. There's a middle, and then there's a num- another kind of parallel section of God's justice and judgment. And if you miss those, we made some important comments about the character and nature of God. So go back, read that in your Bible, or catch up on those messages. But this section of Scripture I've heard called the cosmic warfare part of Revelation. Doesn't that just sound like the kind of thing you want to learn about? Like, yeah, sign me up for the cosmic warfare class. That is what this section is. It's showing us that behind what we see right in front of us in the world, there's actually a cosmic war going on behind the scenes. And so we see this with the woman and the dragon, the woman representing God's people and the dragon representing that great enemy, Satan, clashing. And we saw last time in Revelation that the dragon sends two figures into the world. The the, the beast out of the sea, which represents evil government, worldly government opposed to Christ, and its method of opposition to the church is just attack. And then we also see the dragon sends the false prophet whose method of attack is, well, not straight up attack, it's deception. Now, the third figure. The third figure is defined not by attack or, or kind of spiritual heresy, deception, but by something, well, far more seductive. So let's read the text today. Revelation chapter 17, we're gonna read verses one through six and then jump to 18, verses one through five. This is God's word. 17.1, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. 
And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped High as heaven, God has remembered her iniquities. This is God's word. And Father, we pray, oh Lord, this is one of those passages, good Lord, that, that I pray that we would, we would not miss the main point of all, here, all that's here. Lord, I pray that you would, you would clearly, succinctly help the text of Scripture to land with weight and force on our hearts. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I was homeschooled, as you could probably tell. Um, I was homeschooled for most of, my, most of my schooling up through high school, and one of the benefits of that was that I read a ton of Greek mythology. I did not know growing up that it was not normal that all the public school kids did not read Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, but that's just how I rolled. That's how my family rolled. And so I grew to love a lot of the Greek mythology stories. I knew they weren't real, but I loved the, the labors of Hercules. I loved the, the Medusa's head that turns people to stone. And if you're wondering, you know, is that really the kind of thing a seven-year-old should be reading? I don't know, but I did, and I loved it, and I especially love the journey of Odysseus, right? This great figure who went to the Trojan War and is trying to get back home, and he goes through all of these trials and tribulations on the way home, and I like the Cyclops. Everybody loves a Cyclops, right? He fights the Cyclops, all this cool stuff, but there was one section I was puzzled by that, especially as a kid, I didn't understand at all. It was a section where one of the characters warns Odysseus, as you sail home, you're going to go through a dangerous, treacherous section of water, but the danger is hidden. And here's what will happen. You'll hear the most beautiful song in the world, the most glorious, magnificent, seductive song. You'll be 
tempted to, to begin to sail toward it. But if you do listen to the song of the sirens, you will dash your ship around, uh, on the rocks and in some of the traditions be consumed and eaten by half-bird, half-woman creatures. Don't do it. So Odysseus, being smart, he takes a bunch of wax. He puts wax all in his guy's ears. I don't know how he had so much wax. Why was the wax there? No, no details. But he happened to have a giant thing of wax, stuffs it in everybody's ears. And then here's what he does. He says, tie me to the mast. And if I scream and beg to go toward the song, tie me down even tighter, and I'll let you know when it's safe to, to, you know, to take the wax out of your ears. And so they do. The, the song begins, and Odysseus is tied down. The sailors can't hear it, and he's begging and thrashing around, and they just tie him tighter and tighter and tighter until they sail through on the way home. This passage functions for us, very much like the warning given to Odysseus, that there is a siren song all around us that we are unaware of. And if we do not heed the warning, we will be similarly dashed upon the rocks and devoured. If you're wondering, is this gonna be like an upper or a downer passage? I think you're getting the feel. Here's how I would summarize the warning of the passage. Beware the world's siren song. Beware. First section the song of the siren. Let's, what, what can we learn about the song of the siren here? Now, one of the reasons that this is in Scripture is that if you, if you read Revelation 2 and 3, you'll see that one of the temptations of the churches in Asia Minor was, was not to crumble under persecution, but rather to be seduced away from Jesus. And that warning to Thyatira and I think Pergamum is, is pulling them away and Jesus wants them to see clearly what's happening. Remember, Revelation is meant to reveal all of this strange imagery. It's not meant to confuse you or just make you go throw your Bible up in the air and say, I don't know what that means. It's, in fact, meant to reveal the deeper spiritual reality behind the world around us. Now, here is the tactic change from the beast we covered last time. The beast comes and says, you must do this or else, Right? which is forceful, the force of evil government, sometimes opposed to the church. But Babylon's tactic is totally different. Babylon says, come, you'll enjoy it. You want to do this. Look at all I can offer. Meanwhile, the beast is, you better do it or I'm gonna kill you. And then Babylon's like, well, don't listen to him. This is like a cosmic good cop, bad cop thing, right? Right? And the church is in danger. Now, the controlling metaphor, this is kind of a weird, I, I know, weird passage to read with 11 and 12-year-olds in the room. So parents, you have fun kind of walking through this at home. But this metaphor of adultery or immorality is threaded through the whole section. Again and again, you probably felt it getting repeated, thinking this is kind of a weird thing to read out loud with a bunch of people that I don't know. Yes, that's the controlling metaphor of adultery, of immorality, and Hamilton comments this way. One of the commentators on Revelation says this. The whole world owes allegiance or fidelity to God. The whole world should relate to God as a wife does to a husband in pure purity and devotion. But the world has forgotten God, betrayed him, and sold herself to anyone who will pay. 
So what we see is this, this metaphor of immorality or adultery. Some of it is literal, but, but the metaphor is meant to illustrate a spiritual immorality, a spiritual adultery, where that occurs anytime we take something that is not God and lift it up to the place of God in our lives. It could be money or lust or power or identity or, or any one of a number of things. That is the danger. Now, you may be wondering, okay, well, so is this Babylon figure? Is this, is this Rome and it's already passed, or is this about to come? What, what, who is this? Well, this is an interesting section of Revelation because so often the, the answers in Revelation are not straightforward. The imagery here used to describe Babylon is actually almost word for word the imagery used to describe the nation of Tyre in the Old Testament and Ezekiel. So in some ways you'd say, oh, well, Babylon, wait, Babylon's the same as Tyre, this worldly nation that Ezekiel was prophesying against. But then there's some clues, like this, this city is on seven hills, and if you know your Roman history, you know, oh, that's Rome, Rome's city on the seven hills. So you think, well, it's got to be Rome, but it's also Tyre. And it also seems to suggest that this is going to happen in a culminating way toward the end of history. So is this the European Union? I, I mean, you're just like, I don't know, where, where do we go here? Well, the answer is, is this about Tyre? Is this about Rome? Is this current? Is this about some future nation? Yes. Yes, it's about the world's culture. So the beast is about government. This is about culture. The world's culture in opposition to God. And very likely, there will be a culminating culture before the last battle but it doesn't remove us from the danger. It's not as though we're like, okay, well, I think it's probably gonna be a culminating culture, so we're not being seduced at all. No, 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 no. If they face the danger in the first century, how much more do we face it today? Now, why would anyone, it could be asked, why would anyone follow Babylon? Obviously, spiritual adultery, bad stuff, no good. Well, look at what she offers. First, greed, materialism, money, possessions, right? All of that stuff. She's described in verse 4 as being clothed in luxury. She has rare purple and scarlet clothing. She has gold jewelry covering her. She has just arrived with an epic shopping trip, pile of shopping trip bags from Prada and, you know, I don't know, whatever else expensive stuff happens in the world. As you can tell, I'm not real into the luxury, the women's luxury gown scene. But she is alluring. She is glorious. She is seductive. She is drawing in with purchasing and buying and selling the offer of, to, to those who come to her, the offer of the finest foods, the finest homes, the finest things, everything from financial security to a nicer car, to a bigger house, to thrills, to amusements, to an Instagram-worthy epic trip to Norway that will put all of your high school friends to shame. Right? This is what she offers. She offers greed. She also offers lust. Now, again, we read the descriptions of sexual immorality here. It looks delicious. She offers passion and fulfillment of every desire. She offers it openly. She offers the thrill of stolen glances at naked bodies, an illicit affair with a coworker, of wants and pleasure of every kind. She holds it out to all who are come to her. Third, she offers pride. 
As we read in verse 7, she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning shall I never see. Right? She is at the top of the world. The, the, she's described literally as being in bed with the rulers of the world. She offers access to power, to position, to respect, to popularity. She exalts the self. She offers each person the thrill of being the center of attention, the reserved parking space, the award on the wall, the popularity of a million social media followers replying to your every move, everything that, 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 that shouts, look at me, exalt me, glorify me. Do you see in the end that what she really offers is the exaltation of the self over and against the exaltation of God? And if you read the letters to the churches, this seductive call was working. Now, here's where I want to pause and ask, what, what do you think the default posture of the Christian is to the world around you? I think for most of us, we would just assume that, okay, a, lot, a whole lot of culture around us is just neutral and fine, and maybe every once in a while, like, okay, yeah, definitely don't do that, you know? Oh, that movie, that, that's a really, really bad movie. We, the Christians don't do that. But all the other stuff, it's fine. But Revelation 17 is saying, wake up. You are being drawn in. You are hearing the song of the siren, and you can't even tell. And you're about to be dashed upon the rocks. I think of years ago when my whole extended family went for a, a, a vacation to Mazatlan, Mexico. And man, the water in Mazatlan is the best, right? It is not this Nordic ice water of California, okay? It is like, it's like the perfect bath temperature, right? You just put your feet in, you're just like, ah, it's both refreshing and not cold. It's the best, you know? And, and the sun sets over the water and you're just out there and everything in you is just like, I love this. And so you kind of swim out a little bit and you're, and you're floating, except the parents would always warn us, watch out for the undertow. Watch out for the undertow. You might get pulled out to sea or drowned. And as a, you know, as a kid, you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, grandma. But one time, memorably, as a kid, one of my uncles, fine swimmer, normal guy, sucked out with the undertow. And another of my uncles went in after him, trying to save him, and he was nearly sucked out. And finally, the lifeguard with, with other stuff goes out there and is, is almost, I don't think an exaggeration to say, just barely able to rescue him. And as, I, as the word kind of spread through the family, we went to the beach to see what was happening. The warning our parents had given us suddenly became very real. And here's the warning. You may think you're floating neutrally, but you may well be sucked out before you know it. Sucked out into the, to the ocean. Man, this, 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 I think, is the feel of Revelation chapter 17. This is a, an urgent warning to the Christian that the culture around us is not neutral. I think sometimes, especially in America, we begin to be like, oh, well, we like a lot of the things of America. So American culture is almost tipped a little bit toward the Lord, right? Revelation 17 says this, apart from the Lord, the world's culture 
will be pointed away from God and toward the cliffs that destroy. So just think about it. What, what media do you consume? What, 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 what do you base your standard of living on? <laughs> what do you base your standard of that? That's definitely too much bad content in that show. What do you base that on? Oh, I, mean, I would never watch that one, but this one's okay. Why? Why? Or your pursuit of life centered around yourself and, and just saying, okay, I got to cut these people out of my life. You know, they're, they're just not, they're not, they're not a safe space for me. And so I'm going to, you know, I don't like this person and I'm not, I don't like that person and nobody can tell me what to do and I'm going to pursue my own path. Why? Well, because it feels right to me. Beware the pull and the undertow of the world around you. I, I just briefly want to commend to you, especially on the issue of how the self and pride and possessions and sexuality are all interlinked right now, I want to commend to you the work of Carl Truman. And he, I'm reading a really big book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which is great if you loved your like third semester advanced women's studies class, this is the book for you. But for the rest of us, this shorter book, I think, is accessible. He has done a number of interviews, but he has done excellent work de describing how where we are in terms of our, our stance as a culture toward LGBTQ plus issues has been shaped by the, the threat of what's been in America since the very beginning, which is the radical expression of self where no one can tell me what to do or what is right for me. And so... That connection is also being made in Revelation 17. It's not new to Truman. He's seeing it. The exaltation of self, wealth, power, government, religious figures that will say, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to do, that's fine. And you can, listen, you will be able to find a church with some guy in a pulpit, maybe in a robe, that will okay anything you want to do in this world. What defines normal for you? Revelation says, beware, beware. Second, the truth of the siren song. Now, this is where Revelation not only warns us, but exposes the bankruptcy of the siren's song. Verse four in chapter 18 is the clear call of the text. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. The call is, come out of her. And notice where the people of God are. It's not like there's the worldly culture over here and we're over here and we're like, yeah, that's crazy over there, huh? The Lord comes and says, you're there, come out. And I love how it's just the assumption. It's not like, well, if you're in the world, you know, definitely come out. It's like, no, I know where you are. You're there, come out. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching through this series in the book of Revelation next time on Better News Radio. What an amazing gift this book of the Bible is. It's a very revealing book about the future, and yet there's still things that you won't be able to understand with a finite human mind. But wouldn't it be remarkable to have a full understanding of all of it at a later time? This book is Jesus' way of assuring his people that he'll make all things right. Justice will be done, and the world will be restored. 
because of a savior who comes and fights the bad guys. What a heroic story that weaves its way throughout all of history. Revelation brings things with this current world to a close, and God ushers in a new reality. What hope this can bring you as a Christian and follower of Jesus? Don't live in fear of what's to come of this world. God's in control, and He has a good plan. If you're enjoying studying God's Word but would like some additional resources, we'd like to help you. Go to betternewsradio.com and find some helpful tools to assist you along the way. You can also give us a call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. Don't forget to place a marker in your Bible and join us again as Pastor Ricky continues teaching through God's Word in the book of Revelation. Our time with you for today is about up, but we trust that you're learning and growing, appreciating what God is teaching you. Come again to hear Better News Radio.